everybody, this is Marsha O'Connor and this is Top 3 Entrepreneurs Sharing Secrets. We are back with another fabulous guest and Vinny Positivo. Um, Vinny, I'm sure I'm spelling, I'm saying your last name improperly as it is, so I'm sure you'll tell me the right way. Uh, but Vinny and I actually met in one of our masterminds for videos and we're actually learning a lot and I'm sure you've probably seen us a lot more on video on LinkedIn, Instagram, um, Twitter and Facebook. But one of the reasons why is because both of us are actually doing this mastermind. So, Vinny, say hello to the show. Yo, hello, show. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Except nothing less. So, Vinny and I definitely are on the same team. And the nice thing about Vinny is his background is amazing. And you're going to hear real soon reasons why about his background, what he does, why he does it, where he's going, and obviously his top three um, secrets of success. So, Vinny, why don't we go back a little bit and talk about how you've gotten to the role that you're at today? Sure. Um, yeah, trial and tribulation is how I got here. A lot of hard work, a lot of mistakes. Uh, all of it fortitude, by the way. If there's a word that I've carried throughout my career, fortitude has definitely been um, a word that uh, for some reason has always been a guiding word for me. If I'm not carving my own path, you know, uh, I know that we don't often have to reinvent the wheel. You know, they say that, but like I'm the guy, you know, I haven't done it yet. <laughs> I haven't been tasked to, but I'm the guy who wouldn't mind the task at reinventing the wheel. Um, and I think I learned that, you know, one story doesn't, you know, suit all. So I got my start um, early in the late 90s um, at MTV, uh, where I, uh, as a casting director, was tasked with finding uh, the on-air talent and um, for as hosts um, for uh, talk shows or for any other programming and because of um, our relationships with talent that sort of spanned some time because it was more than just the opportunity you know like talent these were talent that were you know free these, I was dealing with talent that were already on MTV as artists and one of the things you know our department did differently than any other department prior to ours was was listen to the artist and come back with their ideas and bring their stories to life. And, and from that came Osbournes and Newlyweds and Punked and a tremendous amount of um, unscripted programming uh, that I got to be a huge part of and continue um, through uh, even after my time at MTV. Uh, and I left in 07 and started my agency that I have now, Vinny Potestivo Entertainment, VPE. And um, I, I put my name on the company because uh, I'm an, I'm an Italian boy from Staten Island. I got like that proud, that proud last name, you know, thing. My grandma beat into us, literally beat into us as a kid. And um, I was always really proud to have my name on something. Um, and I don't care how people say it, to your point of my <laughs> positivo, positivo. In fact, in my family, there's hijinks and conversation about which, you know, which way is grandma's way or grandpa's way or Uncle Joe's way or Uncle Sal's way. <laughs> my dad, I'm, you know, I'm Vinny, my dad's Vinny. So there's Vinny, Joe's and Sal's in my family. But um, I say potestivo. Some of my siblings say potestivo. Uh, in award shows, it's only ever been potestivo on air. So I like to point that out. I'm putting out that potestivo juice. Um, but I like Potestivo. It's close to positive. And I think those are the vibes that I like to try to put out, uh, especially in this world of celebrity where people who might, you know, want my services or come to me because of the stuff I've done in terms of building celebrity brands or celebrity shows or celebrity franchises. 
um, uh, the, the fact that I focus more, more on helping you be a celebrated brand than a celebrity brand, you know, it's, it's, it's less about, um, the, the, it's, uh, the, I mean, it's all about the notoriety and showing up of it. Um, but it's a, it's a tremendous amount of hard work to be able to show up and, and be a celebrated brand for people. So, um, if that's talk not about a long that. answer, how did you get there though? Like, you know, you're so young to even start in that world and to be like, you know, a celebrity brand expert. Hello. That isn't something that just comes overnight. You know, what are some of the things that you had to do to get there? Yeah. Um, I listened, I w I found myself in amazing rooms with amazing people very early in my career. So I learned and I watched, I watched some of the best actors and talent that I know out there. I, I heard, I saw them in one meeting and then in our next meeting, they were already talking about what, what we had just learned in the meeting proceeding. And I, I took that with me, my ability to learn and understand, to use the vocabulary that's being used to help get my message across. You know, it's one thing to want my message to come across. It's another thing to have to use my words also. So as long as my message comes across, I can use your words. In fact, that's that's for me what I love the most about about casting, and that sort of is that language part. I'm pretty good with languages. I'm pretty good with computers, and I'm able to use language on computers in terms of coding or in terms of building. Or I'm able to use language in terms of scripts um, or formatting to really um, inform uh, the potential of someone's reality. And I think that that's what I've I've enjoyed doing. Um, but. I, how do I get to to where I think that it's uh, I was also lucky to be at MTV when they didn't buy MySpace. I was part of a tremendous some part of some really cool big meetings with Tom Freston. And um, I think that my point of view and my um, opinion in, in the, and, and knowledge in, in talent also helped get me into the room where a lot of those conversations were happening. So because of my my really unique niche in talent development. Um, you know, when, when some, when most people want to sell a show to a network, they go to a production company or an agent. Um, I kind of have an invite from most networks to bring them the project directly because they know I'm bringing talent with a project and momentum. They have plenty of production partners, you know, to find the right production partners. And sometimes the wrong production partner can, you know, ruin an opportunity or detract from an opportunity. So, um, being able to show up, knock on someone's door and say, hey, I've got someone you should look at. I think a lot of people want to be able to do that and certainly can. But it's one of my special skill set, one of my tools and my special sort of arsenal. Um, and, and that comes from from 20 plus years of casting network and and digital and all types of, you know, TV and audio and films and stuff like that. I think that casting director piece allows me to show up with a new piece of talent and let people take that leap with me of faith a little bit quicker because they right. see the potential and promise. Tell the audience there's some of the um, just some some of the names out there that you've been working with. I mean, I think it's you know it's so funny when you first meet Vinny. Vinny is one of the sweetest, kindest people out there. So knowledgeable, very intelligent, and doesn't share uh, a lot of the stuff immediately out there until you start reading about him, and then you're <sighs> like. Oh, holy crap, you know, you really have done straight well for yourself. You should be very proud of yourself, actually. Oh, it takes a long time to do that. So tell us more about some of the, the people that you work with and the shows that you've worked with. You know, I think that I, I think I hit I, I think I've hit this like moment of flow in my career a couple of times. 
Um, and one of your earlier moments of flow, I, I think I had at MTV was during a show called Say What Karaoke. It's a silly show to even bring up, but we filmed hundreds of episodes of that show. And I had a book, three judges for every single episode. So I got to know um, boy bands and girl bands, and I got to know artists and designers and choreographers. And that was a big calling card for me. Um, and I was the guy who would book Jerry Springer for Springer Break, MTV Springer Break. And I was the guy who would, you know, put the real worlders on, on TV. I helped cast the challenge, the host for the challenge. And, and those, those, you know, I don't know what to try. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to say. Oh, gosh, I don't even know where I'm going with that. Um, <laughs> and that's okay. You know, I'm, thinking about, I'm thinking about all that work that we've done. And, and, and it sounds like a lot of work, but it it didn't feel like it felt it felt like this athlete was looking for a hosting opportunity. This network was looking for a show to have that an athlete could host. And I was just able to sort of connect the dots. Um, even with Nick Cannon and Wild and Out, which was a show MTV originally passed on, and Nick was a talent that I brought helped bring to the network. Um, he was supposed to host TRL and, and take Carson's place, but he really won Wild and Out, and MTV passed on it. Um, and he went out and then shot it and then brought it back and said, "This is what I mean. Now do you see it?" And um, I don't know. I got to see people do that and successfully, and then be part of those shows and cast those shows and get those shows on air and season two and season three. And even now where, where, where some of those shows are still on air, um, it's like a, it's a, it's an awesome, awesome, you know, testament to, uh, to talent. And if I could help them, if I could help people discover that unique thing about talent, if I can help people believe in talent, if I could help them take the leap to see your inner talent, um, well then heck that's like, yeah, sign me up because that sounds like the best job ever. Right. Like that's like, especially um, where there's some intuitive piece mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. you know, what, what is, what is he or she going to do? What is he or she going to say? What time, but what type of team do you think they would be a part of? Or when do you think they're, or do you think they're going to burn out? Do you think they have, you know, the skin to host a show five days a week for f years and years and years? So um, I was asked really unique questions from my producers and stuff like that. And a lot of those people were men and women were original MTV employees who kind of like broke it, fixed it, broke it, fixed it, you know, along the way. So um, I was lucky that my first job was so corporate at Viacom. I learned, you know, how to build a department, not how to run a casting team, but build a casting department that became generating revenue department and I'm from an expense to a revenue generating department and there's no other casting department that did that uh yet <laughs> at Viacom which is exciting to think of you know um what can come out of the casting process and that's what I loved most so the casting process takes me to where I am now so to help these housewives so I cast housewives of New Jersey or or billionaire matchmaker many many shows that are on Bravo right now and a lot of those people need just a couple of finishing details in on their one sheet you know if they had just like one more podcast or had had like another award or had something that just made them a little bit interesting outside of the norm they're a little bit too on the nose and i'm trying to round out their character to make them more appealing one way or the other and i'm looking for these little projects to add and i realized that the devil is in the detail because those little projects became the core focus of the reality series those little projects became the books the speaking tours the albums and um, 
that sort of takes me to to one of the projects I'm working on now um, is helping entrepreneurs and business owners launch their own podcasts. And and I actually actually I should say launch their all launch their own audio IP because never before in America has it been easier to own intellectual property that is already on air. Like in the past, I would have a show, I would bring it to the network, the network would literally buy it from me and they would they would basically like hire me to work on it or pay to play. You know, like they could theoretically, I could not work on it, but they would still have to pay me. And that would be very, I would get paid, but I wouldn't be emotionally happy. And there's in, in the UK and in Europe and other territories, those same people who buy TV shows, they're, they're called commissioners. You, it's your idea. You own it. And they're commissioning episodes from you. Podcasts are very similar. You own the concept. If someone wants to license your episodes, if someone wants to purchase it, like Joe Rogan, for example, a very famous acquisition, Thanks. it's literally being picked up and owned, you know, by yep. by Spotify and Anchor. And look at what it did for their huge for their valuation. You know, Renee Brown, same thing. Yep. And Brene, exactly. So, and this is you know not to say just the beginning, but these are some really big examples of successes. And podcasts have been around. I, I converted a podcast. In 2007, I took a podcast called Man and Wife and converted it into a late night sex talk show on MTV. So the conversion of podcast to TV show and podcast to books has been going on for, I mean, more than a decade. Um, But obviously this break has allowed publishers and tour uh, tour buyers and, and, um, and producers and platform platforms that are looking for original content. It's a, it's a, it's, allowed them to see the talent, to mm-hmm. see the promise in those podcasts. And podcasts are getting bought up and turned into, you know, TV shows and TV series as we speak. So I like the podcast um, model of uh, of, uh, of entertaining. And also audio is just like the places where audio can go. It's kind of, it's, it's, it's actually mind-blowing how limiting video is. And video is powerful. But audio has the ability to do something to video that um, we're just seeing, by the way, because audio just had a big year of growth, the biggest year of growth. And I think probably 10, 15 years video, right, has had small screens, big screens, higher resolution, uh, lower resolution, 3D, like so much innovation in video. But audio, drop in audio. I mean, there's so many new forms of audio that um, ways to engage in audio that have come out. So um, and everything has a speaker. You know, <laughs> everything that can't have a screen now has a speaker on it. So like, you know, there's that, there's that part of it also. Yeah. If you're trying to buy a speaker right now, a good speaker, you got to wait three or six months because uh, supply chain issues too. So it's, it's, it has changed dramatically, but let's go into, you mentioned the podcast for entrepreneurs. Obviously you saw a need for that specifically around entrepreneurs. Why so? Um, I, so what I loved most about television in the late nineties and early two thousands, and I thought this was special to MTV, but I think in general, it's all television in that time is that when people watched TV, they talked about it, it impacted their lives. Words were added to, you know, vocabulary. Um, I could go to my siblings, um, high school and I can hear them talking about the shows that literally were airing that week. That's, you know, was the impact that media was having. And in probably 2012 to 14 is when I started really working with Macy's and JWT and MLM. And I started working on on the side of media outside of straight broadcast. 
and I started playing more with products and where I love the part of being able to connect with people in their living rooms and connecting with them over story and giving them words to, you know, enhance their lives or to be able to relate to someone that they don't know or to live in someone else's shoe. I love that, you know, um, working with a product allows you to extend that relationship a bit further. To be honest, the first product I did that with is uh, Axe, <laughs> the Axe Spray. In like 2005, I helped them come up with like personality types and we did like some weird Axe reality show on MTV. And um, and I put this whole this whole package together because I was like, this is the future. This is where this is where commerce and storytelling really, really are going to start impacting because because they can do something we can't. They're in stores that we're not in. They're in backpacks that you know, unless you're buying branded merch or something, you know, or or our logo someplace, uh, which Apple is really smart about including a sticker and everything you buy to make sure you got plenty of apples all around. So brilliant market, of course, brilliant market. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I, I look at, I, I just, so I, and all of that makes just, uh, just made it sort of like the perfect recipe for, um, uh, well, hold on a second. Let me take a step back. I started looking at the impact media was making from television. And yes, the numbers were going lower and lower. People talked about the Kardashians. And when you looked on Twitter, you could understand 2 million impressions versus 700,000 eyeballs that were watching television, you know, roughly at that time. You could start to understand why those impressions were really sizable. And um, I saw that private networks or private audiences of, of privately owned audiences of products or people, entrepreneurs or businesses tended to care more about the product. They, te- they tended to care more about the content, not the product. I'm sorry. They tended to care more about the content. They, they cared more about the media. They wanted to be part of what you were making. It was interesting to them that you, their favorite skincare person, their favorite you know designer was making content that appealed to them. And they were talking about it and they took action. And they took action in the form of verbal and they took action in the form of community and they took action in the form of retail. And, and I think that if business has the ability to have that much change and, and, and control or impact over how communities and how conversations and how, you know, the retail experience happens, then, and media is going to be a part of that, that to me, that sounds like a place of community and congregation. And I can meet more people at that spot of media than and make more of an impact in that spot of media than if I were just to focus on casting traditional, you know, broadcast programming. And um, and then I had a long career at, I have a long career, but I had a long career at MTV and I have many, many relationships that came from that. So I think in longevity, I was able to see what decisions really worked out well and which ones didn't, which ones were short-term gains and which ones created long-term gaps. and. And as I, as I help people build celebrity brands, which is really a brand that, that could be celebrated, um, helping them figure out where to show up, where is their red carpet moment, how to be more discoverable, um, what awards should they be going out for, what awards are they you know, capable of, of winning, um, how to make media that matters. Th- those are the pieces to me that sort of resonate when I think of a celebrity brand. And, and that's what I like bringing to 
these consumer and business brands um, that are often tied to, or I should say founder led business brands, you know, that are tied to someone who created this business to make a change similar to how I created my business in response to my skill set. Like I didn't set out to create an agency and then I, I was like, I have to have an agency because where else do I get to do all of my special skills? Like, you know, that, and that, that was the old way. I think, you know, 2007, that's the way you had to create a business was create the agency because there was no healthcare outside of, you know, traditional where we used to get healthcare from and uh, have a company and get employees and, and then hope that as a creative executive, hope that all the jobs that would come my way would fit the skill set of the team that I assembled, um, which, you know, it's, it's, that's a tough thing to do as you're launching a business. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because you it's, it's really critical to do it right, right the first time and, you know, move on it. How are you going to obviously um, you have so many connections and targets and you imagine the podcast and, you know, from your perspective, because you're the an expert in this area. Why is it so important for these entrepreneurs now to really focus on having a true podcast and not just, I mean, I'm hearing from people, I'm going to start a podcast and then I'm going to do that. And you're like, well, it's a little bit more complicated than that. How are you going to work with them to understand that this is actually going to be another brand that they are putting out there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, I think there is, it's interesting. Um, real, uh, it's interesting because podcast, if you ask people, to describe a podcast this year, I bet they would describe it very, very differently than just two years ago, prior to this gigantic boom of interview-based podcasts, where yes. a majority of the podcast hinges on the chemistry and information shared between two people. So I think that so, so to that, I would say there are awesome ways to challenge create creativity. There are awesome ways to challenge structure and framework. Um, you know, I can sit here and talk to you about, um, you know, the structure and framework of some of your favorite TV shows to explain to you, you know, what a story driven process looks like versus um, what a procedural looks like, you know, why, right. why those NCISs do so well. So, so we've got, we had a boom of interview based podcasts. Um, if you, there are scholarship and um, incentives by podcast platforms, the podcast platforms are being good at verbally explaining to people what they are looking for. Um, you know, in television, we have a thing called the mandates and in TV, they actually send out like to the, to the agencies and to production companies, say, hey, we're looking for an, a show that should be shot in the studio X, Y, Z, or it needs to be in this frame. So they can, you know, if they have a need, they can give us like what they, they specifically are looking for. I think that the podcast platforms are getting really good at being able to speak up to what they need. Um, mm -hmm. So, so how we change the structure of a podcast um, and move away from the di the straight, direct, you know, duo, trio, or however it is, you know, interview based, to come up with some other ways. You know, like like in reality TV, there's lots. Reality TV is news, is the mm -hmm. Osbournes, is Housewives, is. Um, Big Brother is, you know, is, there's so many different types of unscripted shows that fall into the reality um, piece. So uh, I would say that, you know, I, and, I'm, and I'm also a big fan of, er, of, of earned reach, to be honest. Um, uh, I, a lot of people will talk to you about creating content and needing to pay to play and pay to get it out there. And I think my TV background 
really pushes me to to develop a concept that is not only going to earn an audience, but it's going to earn interest in other areas that will help you take that podcast and turn it into a members only area or turn it into a tour, a book tour or a book or a, a, a film or an unscripted film. Um, and the devil's in the detail. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that that's where, that's where I really love to, and it's kind of, I, you can't, this is a podcast, but I'm like taking my two fingers and I'm kind of like, it's like, you know, how you just moving them together, like to create the smallest space possible because in that small space, somewhere between media and content in that area where you can really stand out and impress, that's the moment where impact happens. That's the moment where inspiration happens. That's where the scroll stops. That's where the share starts. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really an active um, developer, and I think of those components, and I think of ways to um, incite those emotions in what you're doing, S to give you, the business owner, a little bit more of a, a framework to be able mm -hmm. to be free and be you, and then you have a little bit more answers about how to, you know, frame stories. Um, and I, I also like to help business owners create sustainable podcasts. So like a lot of people can sit down and record 10, 15 or X amount of podcasts and then run out of, yep. you know, sort of things to say. Um, I like to talk about podcasts non-linearly. I, uh, what if we were to, what if this was a volume? What if it wasn't a weekly episode? What if this was a volume one Vinny and the, what does that even mean or look like? Because there's a point in time where a podcast will be rediscovered just the same way, you know, we're rediscovering all of our favorite uh, TV shows on Netflix when these video platforms popped up, trust me, when better podcast discovery happens, we will tap into podcasts that we didn't even know existed that have already been around for years. And we'll say, how did we not know? You know how did I not know that this is around? This is what I've been talking about all along. And it's, it's really just because audio has had such a, a boom and growth they ha that the technology hasn't yet caught up. There's a couple of platforms I know that are coming close to it. Um, that are positioning themselves as the YouTube of podcasts, meaning searchable, indexable audio content that could be discovered. That's wow. the trick. Getting yeah. discovered, you know, that's Bingo. powerful. So, yeah, but how do you? I mean, because you're an entrepreneur, you're you want to make sure your resources are being spent well. How do you do that? You know, because I'm sure you're going to give. I don't want to give too many of your tips away. That's why they're going to hire you. But yeah. how do they do that in regards to like for us? We called it top three primarily because we are talking to CEOs, and all the CEOs basically talk about their top three, top three reasons why they believe they've gotten to where they're at, or the top three reasons you know that things they'll not, they'll never do again because they, they messed up, they failed. And that's okay, because the audience wants to hear all that. So how are you gonna do it? Because right now, everybody wants to do a podcast. And to yeah. me, it is this huge ocean being built of all these podcasts. And you're right, how do you get yours to swim to the top? So um, I wrote down, I, I have two answers so far, I'll get to my third by the time I'm done there. Okay. The first two I wanna say are, are collaborations and, and, and my strengths. So in, in collaborations, I would say, if I look back at all of my successes mm -hmm. in casting as a network development executive, uh, as a talent executive, um, the way I've approached collaborations has been to amplify not just like what's there, but what's there and what's great and discerning what's good from what's great. So helping people collaborate and focusing on the great parts of them, I think have been what have been 
what made me be able to focus on some of the attributes of the topic that we're talking about or the character that we're talking about in a way that the audience would resonate with um, because they're great. They're big and they're impactful. They're not good and acceptable and status quo. And there's something about that, the framing of it even, mm -hmm. that's going to make you stop and say, wait, what? And then I think the second part is strength. So in when I look at my most successful collaborations, I think that when I I was able to play in my own strength, mm -hmm. that's where I was able to be most successful. When I've been in collaborations where I had to take on someone else's strength, um, uh, writing, for example, I don't think writing is my strength. I'm okay with it. And I, I used to actually say I liked reality because like, you do the writing, I do the mm -hmm. editing, and it couldn't be easier. So, um, you know, if I try to write, I just, I'm, I can get a little frustrated. There's AI tools that I use now that, you know, really help me with that. Um, a strength of mine has been, has been editing. So as I look to your, to your, to your question about how would I approach a podcast, one, collaborations. So I recorded about uh, well, let's just say 30 episodes of my podcast, which launches June 15th. I'm excited. It already launched if you're listening to this in July. Mm -hmm. And please go listen. I'm excited. And I recorded these episodes. I had contacts and I knew what I wanted to talk about, but I, I didn't put my team together yet. My collaboration, I didn't know what I was going to have. And I didn't quite know what direction I wanted to go in in terms of editing it. But the, where I ended up landing was I actually ran into a music supervisor that I had worked with um, on Clubhouse. So we were sort of, we got to, you know, um, catch up um, from Clubhouse and she worked on the Osbournes and Newlyweds and she's a great music programming, uh, great music director, but also a strong story producer. Um, and she had an awesome engineer that um, she had worked with who worked on Serial. So I'm currently collaborating on the first 10 episodes of my series now with a pretty awesome team that has like experience that I don't even have in my arsenal of podcasts um, from a storytelling perspective. I've, I've nailed what I do and I just knew I needed to go out of my, of my own inner strength. And that's where that collab really helped me come. So I think the collaboration, I think the strength and you know, probably I would say um, emotion. I think that, you know, being creative is part muscle, part emotion. Um, strength probably to me comes from muscle discipline, but also the ability to control emotions, not hold them or suppress them back, but sculpt them like hot glass you know, and curve it and give it structure and take you on a journey and then let it become something beautiful that it should be. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's a little different than how you intended, but I think that that's to me, the beauty of podcasts. And that's, that's where the nuance is in the niche and the niche is in the nuance is, is, is it's your personality. It's your point of view. Some of those things are things that no one else can you know tackle other than you, but it's hard for you to exemplify that, or it's hard for you to be in that flow if you're not mindful of it. Um, and man, when you start podcasting, I'll tell you what, you'll, you'll know what you know and you know what you don't know real quick when you start putting words on tape, <laughs> right? I mean- So true, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and also what you're saying too, to make sure, because you know already I'm thinking of 50,000 questions to ask you, but I need to make you talk through and just listen right now, because when you're listening to this, if the audience wants to hear what you want to say and you know why you're here and what you've learned. So you've got so much stuff you already shared with us. It's just, 
I don't know. You're absolutely right. And it, and it is, it's a gift. It, it honestly is a gift to be able to listen like that and really pull out. Cause you listen, you listen to Brene Brown. She's very easygoing, non-confrontational, but she really pulls out that one thing that go boom, that you think about. And then they start talking about it through the whole show. And, and then you're like, yeah, that was really good. And she, she just gets it. Um, not everybody gets it. Cause some podcasts I've listened to that it's like, okay, I'm bored. And they, they, they move on, you know, so you have to keep it engaging. You have to keep it like they're learning something from it and you have to keep it. So they're going to come back. Right. Yeah. So. Well, that's right. So that's what Brene gets the, the um, ability to, when you say, you have to know that they're going to come back is like, she's able to give a concise message and let you have it and let you take it and let you go with it and then come back and then build on it and then stack it and then, you know, build on it and then go. And I think one of the things Brene is great at is like, you know, if, if she was to run a restaurant, she'd be able to look, look at the thing and who cares what you're ordering, but I know what you're going home with. I know what doggy bag you're taking home. I know what dog. she's just really good at figuring out what those, what those pieces are that are going to resonate. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like that's that, that takeaway, that piece of like, if I can be in the back of someone's mind all week long and, and have shared an experience that, you know, um, one of my friends, one, one of the people who's one of the celebrities whose lives, you know, and careers I've impacted, who've also impacted mine, were able, you know, to share whether it was, you know, um, dealing with discrimination, you know, um, after being hired or dealing with it while being on air or sexism or having a parent issues, you know, like nothing worse than being human. Actually, thank God. And thank goodness, I should say, for this pandemic where we were finally really allowed to be human. And, uh, and toward, you know, I think, I think it wasn't even towards the, it was like towards the middle of the pandemic, kids and family. And it was like this, like, we're all human, breathe. Everyone does everything human and no one's like perfect. Stop this like, no. Instagram perfections. Yeah, we're not. Crazy. And we're still learning. Vinny, we're still learning. You know, yeah. I went so hard enough for my team to like, I'd take a break, really take off and go. I think they're getting better at it now. But man, it, it was hard there because they would give me this look on Zooms of like, like zombies, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, take a break, people like it. it, it life will be OK tomorrow. But it was a really tough time. But I think we're there. But I still think there's still a fear. There's still all of that. And now I think we need a little bit more kindness out there right now. Because yeah. everybody is very, everybody's on edge. You know, I can say it. I am too sometimes. And so I think that's really been hard to, um, to get your team to understand. So that's the hard part. But these podcasts are a great way to do that. But you mentioned too so far, what, what, and you had a third one too in regards to some more secrets. So um, what else would you like to share? Uh, you know, I, one of the ways that, um, so let's, I think one of the questions that I get often asked is just how to get discovered or, or, or what are ways that I can make myself more discoverable? I think that that's in general, a pretty big conversation, even for the people who aren't looking to be famous, or maybe it's not about you. Maybe it's about your message or your project and you want to know how to, you know, make that piece impressive and discoverable to get people talking about it, to get people sharing it, to get people wanting to, to, to be a part of it. You have to make them care about it, right? You yeah. have to make them care about it. Not as much as you do, but you have to just make them care about it. It's about getting on, on that one needle. And oftentimes 
even with our with our, with our resumes, with if you're any any type of creative position where you have a, a video reel or you're a speaker and you have a reel, um, we these are forms of entertainment. These are literally three minutes that I have to impress somebody with you. I don't want to string out of everything you've done. I don't want all the facts of every step. You know, I don't want every award you've ever. I want you to sort of give it to me in a really nice package that gives it context that gives it a point a unique point of view that allows me to understand that you care about your work and i like working with people who want to be award-winning brands now you can make a lot of content and never apply for a single award and have brilliant content by the way i have not applied for digital awards up until two years ago actually last year is the first time i applied ever for a digital award and i didn't get any by the way, so I want to point that out. And then this year, I finally just got my first Digital Telly Award. Woo-hoo! So 20 years, you know, in media. And not to say that that has anything to do with how good or bad we are, but it's just like the projects or the, the micro, it's that, it's that minimizing voice, man, that creeps in, that, that minimizing voice creeped in on me for a little bit, but I'm glad it's out. And I realized that not only am Am I award-winning producer now with award-winning content? But I'm part of a group that are also award-winning producers who also have award-winning content. And guess what they want? More awards and more content. And I couldn't be happier to be in a situation with them, like our mastermind. I couldn't be happier to be in a situation with people who want to be doing more and want to be doing more with video. That is my language. And, and audio as well, to be to be really, I'm so lucky to have come from MTV where music matters and where I had, I was sonically trained on a level of, of development that, you know, I don't know if I would have got that training anywhere else. Um, but I love a podcast are like little TV sizzles or casting sizzles to me. And every episode is like a proof concept for an episode or a chapter. And, um, I'm just, I'm so happy with how people are perceive are, are receiving and perceiving the podcast that we're helping them create because um, we do have projects that are at, at now at HBO Max in development. And we do have projects that are in production now at Netflix. And we do have projects that are being launched as membership areas. And um, it's it's this is like a, a, an exciting time of amplification because I've been doing this for about a year and a half now. So this is like the second phase of now I'm seeing the success of my phase oneers. And um, I'm excited about where this is taking me. It's brought awesome opportunities to me. And as long as I can keep, I didn't want to be a platform because a platform kind of tries to hold on to you forever. And they want, I don't, I, you know, I, me and you, we're good. I'll follow you wherever you go. <laughs> but like your, your, your network, your podcast does not need to live on my, you know, to, for this to work. And I want it to be sold to podcast one or to Spotify or, you know, um, when Amazon starts buying podcasts, which maybe by the time this podcast airs, that will be like old news. Who knows? <laughs> that's, my Who first, knows? that's a prediction. We'll see. A little time capsule I'll drop into this. Uh, <laughs> I, would love I wonder it. if like, I wonder, and I, I wonder in about a month, I wonder if Amazon will, I mean, they just bought MGM. They just, mm-hmm. you know, they just bought 15 brand new series. So something's coming. Oh, they, there's always something coming with Jeff and his ideas. Are you kidding me? And keep in mind, you didn't give up. So you apply for those awards. You know how many people don't apply again because they didn't yeah. win the first time? And yeah. the trick is you just keep on going. And now you can say, because you have that award, you're like an award-winning you know, producer and you didn't give up. And I think that's one of the tricks to entrepreneurs is you just can't give up. Keep on going. 
And yeah, you are true. a huge, huge example of that in so many ways. So I think it's really pretty cool. So that's happening. That's moving out there. If people out there, because this is all a show for entrepreneurs, want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Oh, yeah. You, I mean, I'm Vinny Potestivo on all social platforms. And please just reach out and say, hey. Like, I love making friends and understanding um, who you are a bit um, and your goals, you know, before jumping into, you know, all the sort of questions and, and life issues and work issues and things like that that we want to sort of work through. I, I just like connecting with people and um, and and then taking it from there. Um, and I'm figuring out the best way to, you know, <clears throat> be able to show up for people. And um, as agencies open up and as PR agencies open up and as networks, you know, as, as projects start kicking up, I want to make sure that I have tons of talent tons of sponsors, tons of platforms around me, because those three are my key ingredients to my success here at VPE, people, projects, and platforms. And I can find money or create opportunity by connecting either two or three of those together at any time. And um, that it's something that I'm, I'm focused on because I can move projects quickly. And when, to be honest, when you have the key to a door and you can like create projects in, you know, I'm very passionate about about elevating those ones. So um, cool. the three P's, but reach out. To, yeah. They can reach out to me on, on Instagram. Please is the best way to say hi. LinkedIn awesome. too. I love LinkedIn. Yes. Well, you're getting really good at LinkedIn. So with all of your videos um, out you, there, so. you, you're getting good. You <laughs> actually, you know, I, I, I have to say um, it's hard making videos and it's hard. It's even harder for me to post them, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. But it sure isn't difficult to keep looking to see who's responded and who's looked and like to read the responses and to be able to maximize on the opportunities it's it's already brought, which I yeah. think is super cool. So um, I believe in it. Um, and here I am, you know, asking people to be part, you know, put their lives on video. And yeah. um, it's just the return is so much more than I thought it was going to be already. So I'm excited where this is going. And gonna get bigger for you too. So I know we are we're almost out of time. But let me ask you because you're so busy with stuff. Do you read books or you use Audible? I use Audible. I do. I'm a big I'm a big Audible fan. I think I've been listening to um, Sapiens for about like a year and a half now, um, which is <laughs> a, a good one. Um, I find myself listening to Rich Dad Poor Dad often yep. over and over again. Um, who not how. Actually, it's a great book. I love yeah. that's, and I can listen to the first two chapters of that over and over and over again. Uh, never split the difference, you know. When I really feel like getting tactical, and and um, and I do have to be tactical at, at every step of the way, being creative. Um, that helps me just prioritize, you know, people's people's wants, needs, goals. Um, yeah, those are some. Those are some pretty big pretty big books that I listen to on repeat over and over again, for sure. And wellness is a hot topic. How do you take care of yourself right now? Ooh. Um, uh, so I am uh, in the GI phase of uh, being a 40 year old. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I made a career out of following my gut, right? But I never really took care of it. But um, but uh, uh, so a lot of it has to do with um, diet. Um, yep. I eat, I eat no sugar. I have no caffeine. I have no 
gluten. I eat no dairy uh, as a candida diet. And it, it actually allowed me to enjoy caffeine in a way and sugar in a way where it's additive. Like I can actually, when I have like a candy bar, I'm like jumping off the walls because it's like the candy, the sugar is hitting me yeah. as opposed to, you know, I might eat a candy bar and then just get sluggish because I was already operating on a level, you know, yeah. higher than I should have. And that to be, it's so weird to say this. It's so weird to say diet, because if you would have told me that you can really lose weight by just cutting out sugar or certain pieces I, I, and not go to the gym, I would say, I just don't understand how you would lose the weight. But, um, but I did. And it's easy because if I don't buy it, I don't eat it because that's, yeah. you know, it's not in the house. Um, but, uh, and, and, um, I'm really, I had, a, I've had to put myself on my own schedule. Yeah. I've had to put, I see my name come up every once in a while. And I'm like, Oh, that's like my 15 minutes set. That's hard. Entrepreneurs, it's hard to do. It's hard for me. So I, I understand, but kudos for you doing that because I think that's the only way I'm going to be able to do what I want to do. So, yeah. but it's hard. It's hard to do yeah. that. And, and you, then you're not aware of what else is going on in the world. Yeah. And you're, that's my moment to sort of reconnect, not just yeah. with myself, but what else, what everyone else is happening so that my language doesn't fall through. I would agree. I would agree. Well, I can't thank you enough. I'm so proud of you. I can't wait for even a year from now to see all the magic that you're going to do with all these entrepreneurs in your podcast tips and help. And uh, people don't forget to reach out to Vinny. He really means it too. He is just one of the nicest, kindest, and most giving people I know out there. So feel free to do that. And Vinny, thank you so much for being on the show today. I so appreciate that. It's, um, it's always a pleasure to hear from you because you have such wonderful pearls of wisdom out there for entrepreneurs so thank you so much and i am marcia o'connor this is top three entrepreneurs sharing secrets thanks for being with us today and have a great week take care <laughs>